you have a phone, you might have a Bible on there, you can look on there, but, uh, but I'll read them to you, the scriptures, and if you've got a pen and you're not sure if it's you know, accurate, you can check that out later on. But uh, I want to re- read one from Matthew, chapter 5, and verse 24. It's amazing, uh, the topics I get are, are usually quite, not controversial, but challenging. I think. But this, this topic, uh, I wrote down here that you know, some people can say, well, you're opening a can of worms with this topic. But uh, I think if you don't open those cans, sometimes the worms stay there. <laughs> All right, Matthew 5. <clears throat> and uh, just read a couple of verses before 24 is the verse I wanted. And uh, verse 23. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, and for us it's church, worship in particular, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember, amazing, suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there besides the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. That could change church services a little. And... um, I don't know about you, but on that age, I was talking to another young fellow in the church this morning, probably similar age to me, and uh, when you get older a bit, you have an opportunity, I guess, to reflect, and we've been around a bit, a lot of churches, a few different denominations, and you get to see the cultural diversity, but you get to see what things are important in churches, and the topic that I have this morning is conflict. I know in this church there's very little conflict. In fact, there is not an issue or a topic that has prompted me to speak this morning. There's nothing that I'm aware of that's going on in the church, nothing too serious. But obviously, for Jesus to say this, it must have been not uncommon for people to have issues with other people. And it's a bit like the elephant in the room in church. There's some things we just don't talk about in church because we come to church for a bit of peace and quiet. And we just hope that sometimes those people that we rub us the wrong way aren't there at church. Or, and to be honest, sometimes we leave that church and go to another church. We don't work through our conflicts, do we? It's easier. But that's not the way it should be. Did you know in a fairly recent survey in America, now this will stagger you. I happen to know, <clears throat> and someone argued with me, but I, I, was, I checked it out and I proved the point. There's over 300 million people in America. Did you know that? Some people thought, one guy, young guy, well, younger than me at church, at school, he said, oh, no, it's 200 million. My son lives there. So I happen, you know, you've got to check out where the facts are. 300 million. But a fairly recent survey said, and I'm, I'm taking for granted that it's an accurate survey, that in recent times, of that 300 million... 31 million people, Christians, have stopped going to church. That's staggering. That's 10%. Because they've fallen out or they've lost faith in the church. And I want to just put it out there for you today, for your thoughts and perusal, perusal, that Perhaps one of the reasons that people have lost faith in the church, the church isn't real to them as it needs to be. And church 
that incorporates that culture of the gospel should be a place where most times we don't need to go to a psychiatrist, psychologist. I praise God for specialists. I go to a few specialists regularly myself with this body. It's just not like it used to be. But there's very little that I'm aware of, churches, denominations, where you can look to that church or look to that denomination and say, now there is an example of a community or a teaching or a culture where we can see what it means to work through issues. God has designed the church to be a place where the community in which we live, people look at it and say, I know people that go there. They had the same issues, conflicts that I had, but that community and the teaching they had helped them work through those conflicts. That's what the gospel is meant to be. But I don't know about you, but I can't remember too many sermons being preached about conflict or conflict resolution. Even small groups, it's just not something that is talked about. Yet the Bible addresses it. Here Jesus says, if you're standing before God, and for us in the modern day thing, I think the best way we can sacrifice to God is in our worship, our thanksgiving, coming to church. He says, if you stand there and you remember that you've got an issue with anybody, it says somebody has something against you. This is how important this topic is which doesn't get too much airplay in my 40-odd years as a Christian, hasn't got much airplay. Yet, like America, we're not as Christian-based uh, as America. But I don't know about you, but there's a lot of, especially young people, that were raised in the church that do not relate to the church and have issues with the church. One of the most common things, and older folk would say, that young people say, is it's not real. The church doesn't relate. And this, I believe, is one of the problems because people everywhere have issues with other people. And I believe the Bible teaches us that we need to learn how to deal with our issues, conflicts, because we're going to have them. No matter how idealistic you think the church should be, the church did have conflicts. The one that you know about, the Stephen, the, uh, the uh, <clears throat> guy that was just one of the deacons, but, you know, when you read the, the story of why he was selected amongst those deacons to serve, it was because there was a big kerfuffle in the church. There was. There was an argument. People were actually saying, you're leaving the Greek. This is a cultural issue, very sensitive today. You're leaving the Greek widows out of it. They're being neglected. Suggestion, bit of favoritism, racism. But it brought, I want to say this, conflict isn't a bad thing if we confront it with the Spirit of Christ and deal with it. In fact, it can mean growth. In fact, I don't see how at times we can grow without dealing with the conflict. Because the scripture we read here says, people have something, you know, have you ever been that way? I've tried to do my best to get on with everybody. I'm guaranteed there's some of you here that say, I do my best to get, but some people just don't like me. Well, that's their problem. No, no, no. The Bible says here, if you know that somebody has something against you. This is a challenge. This is, oh, when you go home and you think about it, and you, when you've got time and when you go to work and that person who rubs you the wrong way, or the one that you gave the bird to when you were driving your car and you got to... 
I'm, I was amazed how that road rage thing gets in Christians. Isn't it amazing? If, you, if you're a Christian that doesn't get some road rage, praise God. I tell you, I, I, I don't think I get road rage now, but I get impatient. My wife tells me, a little toot on the horn doesn't hurt now and again. Anyway, <laughs> happened to me on the way to church today. Yeah, older fella too. <laughs> now, I've got to say this. This is nothing to do with the sermon, but look, there's a rule on the road. It came out. I want to tell everybody here, so at least this church does the right thing. When two lanes, two lanes are converging, there's a dotted line in the middle, and that dotted line ceases. Guess what? For anyone that doesn't know, the car that's in front has the right of way. Do you know that? Does everyone know that? It's so important because you could save an accident. This car, I saw in my mirror, he come flying down, an old Vauxhall. He had a number plate, 1957. If you know that guy, don't tell him that I'm talking about I saw him come flying down, so I just was ready for him. I was literally car lengths in front of him. Now, a guy my age should know better. He come flying down and said, Jude, here he comes. So as soon as he got alongside me, I tooted the horn. Yeah, I let him know, mate, you're doing the wrong thing. But anyway, just so that's the rule. So whoever's in front, you can't speed up and get in front because that's not it. Anyway, I don't That's a road rage thing. That's a good one. That's it. Because when that rule cha- came in years ago, they spent six months with ads on TV. Just for you. Know. Taking our church to another level or going on to maturity is vital. Amen? But this topic isn't a far-reaching high standard for a few believers to achieve. I'm telling you, I've seen it in schools. I have best friends at the school I work with and I've seen... Mature people my age not talking to each other. Staff members. And they don't know why. One staff member got no idea. And I'm friends with It's hard. I'm friends with them. It doesn't get better when we get older. I've had one of my parents left this world with bitterness in their heart. Nothing sadder to see that. And I think not only we have Christians... Sadly, in the church that have never been taught how to deal with conflict, have never been taught how to work through, and yet the Bible talks about these things, and it's, oh, well, you know, maybe in their small groups we'll talk about it. Well, the Bible talks about it right up front. The leaders t- spoke about it. When, when there were things happening in the church, <clears throat> it was there. And when I was leaving a, a leaders' meeting a number of years ago, I stood up and I said, we need to air some of these things. This is the place. The Bible says the leaders got together when there was an issue and they spoke about them. But I don't know about you, but sometimes we think if we keep it quiet, don't mention it, it's going to go away. It doesn't go away. It festers. And I think for us to move on individually as a congregation, and I think we're fairly, best I know, we're very health, fairly healthy at the moment. But God doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't want the enemy to come in. Those little foxes, the Bible calls them, that spoil the vine. You can have all the good fruit, all the teaching you like. You can be feeding the poor and all those things, but a little fox will come in and spoil it. I believe, and if you look in Acts chapter 2, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, we haven't got time there, the early church dealt with all this stuff. It was new Christian stuff. Somehow we think, oh, and, and I used to think, 
wow, that's a hard thing to get to that point where you forgive people that have been nasty to you. But you know, when you're full of God and he transforms you and, and, and you're full of God's love, the best time to teach this... Thanks, bud. Look after Pop. Take that to Nana. Thank you. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. He's too pretty to stay out here. He's distracting. Nah. You don't separate him from Pop. Do you remember when Jesus was baptised that the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased? Now remember, he hadn't begun his ministry. 30 years living like you and I, with brothers and sisters, even just before, well, when he was, I think it was 12 years old, he went with his parents to the temple and he stayed there because he had a calling on his life. Jesus wasn't immune to misunderstandings from his family, his brothers and sisters. He, he had a business to work with. He dealt with all the conflicts. He said, oh, well, Jesus didn't have... He had to deal with normal family relationships. Why? What happened in his life for the father to say, this is my beloved son. He hadn't started his ministry in whom I'm well pleased because he lived the life that you and I have to live with all the conflicts, with all the issues. In fact, when he was coming back, walking back from that temple worship with his parents, he stayed back and he, the passion, he was talking to the leaders and, and just learning more and, and teaching them, I guess, even at 12 years of age. But his parents couldn't find him. They went looking for him. When they, when they found him, they gave him a talking to. Jesus had to confront the telling off, and I'm, it's hard to say theologically whether he ever really got told off at other times. But they, they misunderstood. And they said they didn't understand. He said, I've got to be about my father's business. But he submitted to them in that situation. Right from that day, Jesus had conflict, misunderstandings. He didn't just consist of three years of ministry and public ministry. He's not immune to all the things that you and I have. And he understands. And I believe that conflict and learning how to deal with it, the biblical way. The Bible talks a lot about how we deal with these conflicts. The Bible says we're to be light and salt. And I want to tell you, in my experience, even on a daily basis, as I said, where I work and families, that how we deal with issues. There's, I've mentioned there's friends of mine that aren't speaking to each other. These are staff, teachers. I don't know why. And it's sad. And these are two different cultural uh, people from me. And I won't mention their cultures. And really, part of my lesson from this message today is, God, give me the wisdom to be a peacemaker with my friends. These are people over 60 years of age that are hurt and not talking. And I mean really hurt with each other and we're only and and talking to one of them that feels uh, aggrieved I said we can only guess why the other person is feeling like that I'm telling you we live in a society that is full of people and some of these things aren't real they're just imagined how how many of us imagine that someone they'll say or do something and we imagine 
The enemy comes in and gives us all these imaginations. They don't like you. You're like this. They're like that. This is what they're thinking. And sadly, God wants to equip his people, this congregation, with the skills so that when things happen, we know how to deal with them. Most church church folk, I don't know if you know about, sometimes statistics are a good thing. Did you know the church has no better record in marriage success than people outside? When I was a young Christian, I think the the church had a two-to-one better, uh, uh, what's the word, success in marriage and non-divorce. And the reasons for that could be the church, probably Christians felt they shouldn't be divorced, so they stayed together under pressure and, and all those sorts of things. But the facts are, and this is sad, you and I believe that we are, if you're a Christian, that Christ dwells within us. We have that agape love, the ability to forgive the unforgivable, the ability to love the unlovable. And yet something is seriously wrong when the facts say that we don't handle conflict or issues better than anybody else. But God can and will change that if we let him. In the Message Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 says, So clean your house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. So who's he talking to? You Christians. You've had a taste of God. They weren't long in that thing. And he says, now, and this is where it gives you a clue that it's about young Christians too, like infants at the breast, drink of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. This is talking about dealing with issues and how we treat people. We all want to be mature and we think maturity is knowledge and courses and, 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 and that sort of thing. But I'm telling you, it's dealing with the issues of life. It really is dealing with the issues of life. Not just for our sake, that we're not you know, uh, down and out and frustrated and, and that sort of thing, but so we can be the answer to someone else. Jesus Christ in you, their hope of glory. And I want to improve. You can say, oh, well, at 60, we should be, you know, we're who we are. But I'm telling you, like it said to me by the young people, a reminder a few weeks ago, you're an old dog, but God can teach you new tricks. It's true. Because there's plenty of tricks in here, not tricks, but there's plenty of truth in here that the church on the whole in the Western church has not got a hold of. Why do so many people in America, you know, 30 million have pulled away from church. And I want to tell you, it's not all about temptations. It's not all about not being relevant. It maybe is about not being real, that when people have issues with the doctrine or issues with this or someone in the church, the church hasn't encouraged them or taught them how to work through those issues. The Bible says that uh, if someone offends you, go to that person and forgive them and ask their forgiveness And if it's a serious issue, come back, give them time, take someone with you next time. But you know what happens? It doesn't even get to stage one in most churches, or many churches, I should say. The people get offended and and they might tell the pastor, because he's responsible, he's got to sort it out. No, no, each one of us have to sort out our own issues most of the time. The pastor, he's good. I don't think we could get a better pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you, you know. You'd just be glad that I'm not the pastor because, you know, I'm 
I'm only very average. But he's a good pastor, and if he can't sort it out in the natural, then we need supernatural help. But I, wanna, I wrote down something here, and I'm just going to jump ahead. This is sort of a, a prophetic thing I got. I like it when you get the prophetic things because they're hot off the press. Where Forgiveness. This is what I wrote down yesterday. I felt the Holy Spirit gave me. It's just not a nice idea. But it's divine in origin. It's practical and in supernatural in its execution and outworking. You want to get in the miracle working power of God? Then work through our issues. The little stuff, the big stuff. Because it's all important. Forgiveness is just not a a, a nice idea because God actually says, I would rather you sort out the issues than come and worship me. That's a challenge to us Christians. And even if you're here, oh, look, I'm telling you, the pastor would love it if someone left. What's wrong with so-and-so? The Holy Spirit just reminded them that their brother-in-law, they better (laughs) ask for forgiveness. What a testimony. But not only that, that someone has the courage and the, and the humility to do that, but the, the person they could win and the effect on the whole family. Now, that's what I call Christianity. That's what I call relevance. That's what I call a real church. When they're just not all, you know, worship is beautiful. But God, you know, you can't sort of twist that around. If you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember... Isn't it funny how we forget certain things? That someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. I'm telling you, that'll stretch our tents. That'll be at a place where God could really use us. Why? Because he can trust us. Forgiveness is not just an idea, but it's divine in origin, practical and supernatural in its outworking, And here's the last part. It's miraculous in the outcome. I could tell you of people. I think yesterday I was talking to Ben or somebody and I said about what I'm sharing. Five times I can remember in recent years since I've been a Christian that I've been hurt and offended. And to my knowledge, I was the innocent party. You know, we're never really that innocent, but I thought I was. I still think I am, but that's beside the point. I had a choice to fight back because a lot of us are pretty good at fighting back, even Christians, aren't we? You know, I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'll tell them what the word says. We think because we give them a, a word that we're spiritual and we're right. No, we're not. But when I chose, okay, and there's two, one was at uh, two, two of these scenarios, no, three of these scenarios were at school in my working at school over the last 20 years. And each of these people, ju- I think, judge me and this and that. And I thought, right, I'm going to get my back up. I'll teach them. But I knew long term it was going to get worse. I knew I'd get bitter. And I knew they would probably get more bitter. I said, okay, I've got to do it God's way. Sucked it up. ate some humble pie and started being nice to them. In all three of those situations, I won a friend. They supported me. They liked me. You know, say, oh, well, it's not being real. No, it is. You know, what could I do? I sort of... I could have gone to him, you know you've done this, you know. But I felt I did it God's way. Because the Bible says, even your enemies will be at peace with you. I'm telling you, that's miraculous in outcome. Divine in origin, supernatural in its outworking, and miraculous in the outcome. That's what we're talking about today. 
You want to see a real miracle? You can be the initiator of that miracle. You can be the carrier of that miracle. Now that I've moved my pages, we've got 10 minutes. 1 Peter 3.8. I read you that one. Then you grow up and be mature. The Message Bible. This one's in the message too. 1 Peter 3.8. Summing up. Be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions. I'm reading, that's what it says. No retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm, instead bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. That's how, that, I mean, that's not that practical outworking, but it's a summary of what God's saying our responsibility is to do in those situations. And a couple more verses following on from that. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all you're worth. You know? And all of us there, how many of us, God, give me some peace especially when there's issues in families or, or workplaces or church or children or grandchildren, I guess. You know, give me some peace. And God says, your responsibility, do your part, show them, demonstrate, let God use us, and you're going to have that peace in your life. Ephesians 4.26, go ahead and be angry. God knows that sometimes we can't help it. We're human. Now, I'm not going to get into a theological argument where God's encouraging us or allowing, or, but it says, in all most versions, it says, be angry. Well, you're going to be angry. Go ahead, it says here, go ahead and be angry. You'll do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Woo! And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil the kind of foothold in your life. And I want to tell you, I think there's a many, many scenarios where the devil has a hold on people because we think it's our right to hold on. I like the fact that God says, I know we're weakness and some people just bug us so much, they get us frustrated. When you've had a son that's nearly lost his life in a, a road accident, you know, and like a lot of you, and you see it and we've seen, you know, you just think it's silly. And it's not just the young people. It's us old fellas. That can be like that. I'll just drop these on the ground. Then I won't get confused. Conflicts. Five minutes. Are the seedbed of change, growth and transformation. That can seem like a contradiction, can't it? Conflicts will be, can be, should be the seedbed of change. Conflict uncovers. What did Jesus say? I'm going to add heat. He promised us. You're going to have challenges in your life. There's going to be heat, whether it's the enemy, people, whatever. Heat's going to come. Pressure's going to come. Why? To bring to the surface all the stuff that we've been able to push down. The hurts, the rejections. I had one only two years ago. I never realised I had. But the, and it was so, so painful, but it was the best thing ever that God added the heat to my life to bring it to the surface that I can be set free to do with relationships and conflicts. None of us are immune, but I'm telling you, 
it is worth addressing, not covering up. Because to have a church that addresses the stuff and not avoids the elephant in the room and sit in church and, and worship God and we know there's people here that, you know, a seat or two down. And I don't think there's any of those situations here, but I'm just saying it, it happens all too often. And if it happens in the seedbed, I know I've been in a few schools and I know the education department reasonably well. I'm telling you, these are the most educated. They're teaching our children. But what they're not demonstrating is how to work through conflict. They give them, they have courses and books on how to deal, deal with bullying and what to do and everything else. But you and I are meant to be the ones that demonstrate how we deal in a good way and a supernatural way and a lasting way with conflict and issue. We're it. We're God's people. You and I. Conflict uncovers. It is said that people avoid pain and conflict and crisis at any, any cost. And I think part of the reason that so many people leave churches is because they haven't made the effort to deal with their issues. Sometimes people leave, and I've left two churches, for which I, in, in hindsight I still would have left those two churches for moral and, and, and ethical and doctrinal reasons, way back. So I'm not saying that there aren't times when God will have you move on. But I think, and I've seen it even recently, where people just move from place to place and relationship to relationship, from church to church, because issues, and the issues are different, but it stirs up the same pain and issues and rejections and conflicts in their heart. Most conflicts don't arise out of a conflict of ideas, but assumed hurts, violation of personal rights, or a supposed threatening of our self-esteem. Basically, conflict is rooted in sin, selfishness and projecting our unresolved feelings and expectation on others. I'm guilty of that, not realising at the time that's what I was doing. Nothing tests your personal maturity like conflict. Marriage, children, work, neighbourhood and church. God's will for us is not only relevant when we're at peace, but God's will for us is relevant during conflict. And I'm telling you, we need to let people see how we deal with stuff. Even the errors. If we make an error, I'm sorry is a powerful word. If we can do it better and we've learned from it, let people know. You know, it takes time to get used to, as I said, being angry. I just mentioned part of the conflict and finishing off, I just want to remind you, part of the conflict of the early church, life and growth. In Galatians, Paul opposes Peter publicly. Oh, I don't know about you, but, you know, and we're not talking about humiliating people, but it, why did he do that? Paul was a pretty tough fella. But I think Barnabas had a bit more sensitivity and wisdom when Paul and he had a big argument. It doesn't tell us, does it? Maybe it's because who's right and who's wrong is not the issue. Maybe the issue is if you're a believer, plug into me and let's forgive. Let's move on. Time doesn't heal. Time dulls things. I want to tell you, I was looking at my own parents, time does, and I look at my in-laws, and I've seen people go to the grave with hurts and bitterness, and it's sad. 
But I'm telling you, God does heal. And you have the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, more than anything in this area, it's good and right that we should help people that have needs of shelter and, and companionship and support and those sort of things. But people need to see a cultural group gospel that this really works, this Jesus thing, this church thing really works. Because I've seen some gossip in that church and I've seen some that in the church. But you know, on the whole, they try to work through it. They try to teach us how we can close a deaf ear to that gossip and, 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 and encourage people to ask for forgiveness. Not everyone's going to get on, but I just think if, you know, just perhaps the majority of a congregation could get hold of this thing of, of forgiveness and that we're only human, but God's given us the power, the supernatural power to see these outcomes. Paul and Barnabas had a heated argument, as I said. And then Paul challenged them whether they wanted to keep the traditions in Acts 15. And Paul, but you know, the same Paul, he was a tough nut. But you know what? And we could say, and this is where some people, it says in Acts 16.3, Paul had, uh, who was the guy who had a Greek father? I forget his name now. But Paul said, I'm going to circumcise him. This challenges our theology. Why in deference? Or the, re- the word deference, I looked it up, polite submission and respect. See, sometimes we think we stand, this is doctrinal right, this is go, and I've been in that position. I'm on the other side, you know, people that are too legalistic. I, you know, that's legalism and this is that. But sometimes we need the sensitivity, not cause our brother to stumble. And Paul deferred to these newly converted Jews and said, okay, to stop this argument, what's the point? doesn't matter. We'll circumcise him. You know, some people say, oh, he shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. Hang on. What was his reasoning? I don't think it was um, a compromise in his doctrine, but keeping peace. He deferred to them. Polite submission and respect. And Acts 6, cultural dissent was there. You know, the women, and Peter became the greatest, um, what is it, the, when you sacrifice your life? Martyr. And you know, this why in this church, people that serve us and just give us water and welcome and, and newsletters, in God's economy, the respect for them. Stephen, you know, why was it Stephen? Not a coincidence. But out of that, Stephen had the greatest sermon. He preached to them. Heaven was open to him. He saw Jesus standing there to receive them. And that whole scenario, his life and his ministry came from conflict. You're not serving the women. You're neglecting our Greek Widows, you're serving everybody else. And it was a, I didn't realise, so I looked it up. Wow, this was pretty full on. And, the, and instead of trying to defend themselves, the leaders, the disciples said, look, we're busy. It is important. And you raised a good issue. They could have got argumentative with these guys. They were defending the widows, this cultural group. And you see what happens in churches? The choice was that could have split that church. And things split churches. Or we could have said, no, you've raised a good issue. The heart was in submission and humility. We'll deal with that. We haven't got the time to do it, but we'll get faithful men. And today, 
I like the fact we've got faithful women to do those issues. You can see how what happens. This could have split a relationship. It could have split the church. But instead, it allowed this person who had a servant's heart to become the, the greatest martyr apart from Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we want to grow. We want to mature. But Lord, for so long, there's so many other topics that seem to have captivated the Western church. These issues that break our heart and cause pain and suffering teach us how to be those role models, not only within the church but for the community, that we can bring hope and help them work through their issues. I pray for this and you give wisdom to us all, Lord, as we meditate upon these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.